God, that's why we have gathered this morning. Because only He is worthy. Only He is worthy of our praise. We thank you for what Christ has done in our place, on our behalf, and even continues to do at your right hand. We thank you for the Spirit who fills us, who dwells in us and with us, opens our eyes to see you. So we ask that you might continue to do that this morning as we worship and fellowship. You would open our eyes and open our ears. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Stephen Eisenberg, and I'm a deacon here at Grace Community Church. If you're a visitor, welcome. Uh, we're glad to have you. Um, if you have any questions, please feel free to see anyone else who's been attending for a while. They'd be more than happy to answer your questions. Um, this morning, I'll be leading our prayer time, which is about fostering and adoption. Uh, Michelle and I, I'm the, better, I'm the worst half of the couple group here. Michelle is the better half. She told me not to call her out, but it's not happening. Um, but as a foster parent and as a ch- uh, family that has had foster children here at Grace Community Church, on behalf of Michelle and myself, thank you for loving the kids that we have brought into this church. They have all not been the easiest to love, um, but yet through your smiles and your good praises that you've been able to pass on to Michelle and I, it has made the weeks that were difficult very a little more easier uh, to handle and to remember the good things when we're, we're down there in the trenches. Uh, so thank you for all your support and all of your uh, prayers. Um, but we'll start with adoption. Adoption, we are at Grace. We have kids who have been adopted from all around this world who are being loved on permanently by families that in other chances wouldn't be able to have a family to love on them. Um, there's been, a, a, I think, about six adoptions that have happened here um, that children are being affected and loved on through the, uh, the gospel of Christ, uh, through you guys here, who are being ministered daily to by the families that they are placed with. Um, and then with fostering, it is an important part that we do here as a community there are 140 kids right now that are placed in foster care system, just in Harnett County. That doesn't include Wake or Johnson County, which we also are a part of. Um, but there are 140 kids right now who are being ministered to by uh, foster families. Um, and if you're interested in finding out more about adoption or fostering, please feel free to see uh, myself or Michelle or any adoptive, adoptive parents. Um, they'd be more than happy to spend time with you at lunch, if, especially if you buy them lunch. Um, hey, I'm always for a free meal. Um, but there's three ways we can be praying for foster and adoption parents. The first one is, um, I lost my place, sorry. For the permanent placement of the child or the foster child, that they would experience healing and peace. Uh, these kids come from backgrounds that most adults would never experience or come from. And yet they are expected to live lives in this situation, whether it's uh, the best case scenario or the worst case scenario, these kids have seen things and been through things that I've never seen or been through. Um, And the stories that we hear, the stories that we experience with the children that have been placed with us has been um, uh, life-changing because it makes you think of how good you really have it. And I'm very thankful for the things that I've learned. Um, So pray for these children, that they can experience healing, that they can experience peace in their homes that they're with, 
that as they continue to grow and heal in these places, that they would come to know Christ and that they would know that they have a Father who loves them uh, more than anyone else could possibly love them. Another way that you can be praying for is the biological parents uh, of these children. It is not easy to uh, be a biological parent in this situation um, because a lot of times they're making choices that we would think as as, as sad, as uh, regretful, um, and yet sometimes they don't have choices in the matter. But they need Christ's love just as much as you and I do. And that is very important that they get to find that Christ love in the situation. Um, and the third way we can be praying for these families and children uh, is pray for the families that ex- bring the children into their home, whether it's foster parents or adoptive parents. They go through, we go through, an experience that's unlike any other because when you get, bring someone, you guys all know what it's like at, at uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas. When you bring family and you're like, oh, geez, i got to put up with this person for three days. My goodness. Well, with fostering and adoption, it's not three days. It's three weeks, three months, three years, 30 years. You are with this child, pouring your life into them, and sometimes with nothing in return. And it's hard, and it becomes very isolating to to be there in those situations when everything is not going right and all you want this child to do is to accept the love that you're giving them to feel accepted as part of the family and yet sometimes you get stonewalled and so pray for the families that are in the fostering and adoption uh just because they're there doesn't mean the battle is over or it is anywhere easier um because it's just everyone who's in those in the situation's life is turned upside down and it goes from what you thought was normal, to a new normal. And it's never normal. Just ask anyone who's been in a family situation. I've asked a couple people to pray, um, and I'll close this in prayer. Let's pray. And Father, I pray for the families who are adoptive parents, who are foster parents, that you would fill their lives with peace and patience and love that surpasses all understanding. To remind us each and every day that we are just as broken as the world around us. But it's by your grace that we are filled and redeemed. Father, I pray that you would be with the the offering as we give back to you what you have so plentifully given to us. Just thank you for this church family. Thank you for all that they've done. Just ask this in your name. Good morning. That's me and many other kids. So welcome to Grace Community Church. If this is your first time you're visiting with us, I want to welcome you. My name is Ricky. I'm the youth director here. And our teaching pastor, Brad Talley, our teaching elder, he is, he is out of town on vacation, but he'll be returning to the pulpit next week. So this is what I was doing last week. Keisha and I were up at TVR. It's a Christian camp up in the, the mountains outside of Boone. And I'm exhausted, so, and Keisha probably is too. I'm sure she is. So if I happen to like fall asleep while teaching or say something that's crazy, just, uh, or yawn, forgive me. But uh, we had an incredible week of camp. Uh, there were about 30 students that, that, that we took up there, and the place is just beautiful. Each kid is put in a cabin with about six other of their own, and they're given a counselor that pours into them all week. And our teacher last week, our speaker, was Sean Cross. And you guys know Sean. He, he brought the word, and the gospel was just clear. And it was beautiful last week to see the kids just worship and turn their hearts to the Lord. So we had an incredible, incredible week. 
We are in pro- approaching the end of a series entitled A Place in the Family. And if you guys have been coming for a while, we've been in this series since back in the wintertime. And the idea of this series is we have just walked through week after week taking topics about what it means to live in the family of God. I mean, we've covered many different things. We've talked about, we've talked about topics such as elder rule, which we have here. We've talked about expository preaching. We've even talked about the, the place of children in the family, the place of students in the family. We even talked a few weeks ago, Pastor Brad talked about the place of, of seniors in the family. So we've covered many things, and we have a few more topics yet to cover before we transition this fall into our, our series on Hebrews. We're going to be walking through the book of Hebrews. Really excited about that. But our topic this morning is Adoption. As you guys probably put together through the songs that were selected, um, and we called God Father, and we sang to him this morning. And we had, we had Stephen who shared with us prayer time about adoption and how grace supports adoption. And we do. We pray for our orphans. We pray for our foster children, for uh, foster parents, for the adopted kids in our family. Um, as Stephen said, those of you who are feeling led to adopt, we pray for you. And we support it so much so that Grace even has in their budget money for you to help with adoption if you feel like the Lord is leading you to adopt. That's a priority for us. We even have some money in the budget for that. So if you feel like the Lord is calling you to that, leading you to that, have a conversation with our elders. That's something we we absolutely have as as a priority here at Grace. But we're talking about a place in the family. There's there's something that we have to, to, to really ask. The question is, for everyone here today, even though you're in church, are you a part of the family? Tonight, I'm going to have about 30 people in my house for youth, but they're not all my family. You know what I mean? They are, but it's, you can come to church and still not be a part of the family. Are you a part of the family? Now, to be a part of the family at Grace, our covenant community, to be a member of this church, you do have to profess that you are an adopted son or daughter of God. You do have to say that publicly. You have to profess it, follow it with baptism. That's a part of being here at Grace as a member. But my question to you is, do you call God Father? Are you a son or daughter of God? Because let me be clear, not everyone is. The Bible doesn't teach that everyone calls God Father. The Bible doesn't teach that God's going to treat those who don't call, call God Father the same as those who do call God Father. The Bible doesn't teach that. So do you call God Father? And if you do call him Father, how do you know? I mean, are you, are you sure? How, how can you be sure? Well, this morning we're going to talk about what it means to go, call God Father. What does that involve? So I want to take some time this morning to talk about your adoption. We've talked about adoption, how we support adoption, but I want to talk about your adoption this morning. Now, in leading up to this message, I've had a few weeks to prepare, and I've, I've, I've dug deep into some commentaries. I've spent time in some different books, but I want to bring out one book to you uh, that, that just meant a lot to me and that I pulled a lot from because he says it so well. 
It's by Ray Ortland, and it's a book called Supernatural Living for Natural People. And if you want to dive into Romans 8, and you want to wade in the spiritual, mineral-rich waters, then pick up this book. And he has a way of saying things that just move me, and uh, I think it will do the same for you. So I encourage you guys, if you want to dive into Romans 8 more, then pick up this book. It's just on Romans 8. It's incredible. So about adoption, when we talk about adoption, what comes with that? I mean, of course, whenever you adopt someone, they get your name. Whenever you adopt someone, they come into your home, and not only do they get your name, but they get what comes with your name from your past. They're going to get what comes with your name in the future. They are going to get your good, your bad They're going to have to integrate into your family. They learn your language. They learn your ways, your routines. They learn your traditions. They even take on your social standing. They get your name, but they get a lot more than your name. You see, you get them, and they get get you. And on the flip side, whenever someone's adopted, they have to let go of their ways. They have to let go of their old name. And also, whatever came with that name is no longer associated with them. They have to let go of their routines of how they used to live because they're in a new family now and there's new ways that you have to learn. New routines, new habits, new traditions. And when you become an adopted child of God, you too take on new ways. You have to let go of some old ways and you have to learn new ways. You receive more than just new traditions and friends and family. You receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the Spirit inside of you when you call God Father. So our text today is Romans 8, chapter, um, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to be reading verses 12 through 18. And as our family tradition here, I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and as we, as we read the, 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 the Word of God. So then, brothers, we are debtors, Not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. And fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Thanks. You may be seated. Paul here, he's writing to the Christians in Rome. Okay, and he lays out in the first 11 verses here of the spiritual resources the Lord has given you if you call him Father. When you call God Father and you come to him, he has your closet stocked, (laughs) stocked for you with all that you are going to need. And we we would read in Romans 7, if you backtrack, you read about though Christians still have this struggle, they still have this sin within. And then we read Romans 8, we see that there is the spirit that comes inside of us. And there's still this, there's this struggle of sin inside of us against the spirit inside of us. And there's this, there's this tension. 
So how do, we, how do we live with this? How do we deal with this tension, this struggle that's inside of us? How are children of God to demonstrate life with this battle going on inside? And Paul, well, he addresses this in verses 12 through 14. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So as an adopted child of God, who would you say you owe? Who, who are you indebted to? Who do you, who do you give credit to for your happiness, for your joy? What do you put your hope in, in your security? Is it, is, it the, is it the flesh or is it the Spirit? Who do you say you owe? When you feel happiness, is it because of your children or is it because of God? When you feel security, is it because you have had this awesome retirement plan or is it because of God? Why do you have joy? Is it because of your circumstances or is it because God? And so many times in life, whenever things are good, we turn our eyes away from the Lord and we give credit to the created. But then when things don't go so well and life is hard, we too quickly turn our eyes to the creator and we criticize him. Who do you owe everything for what you cherish? Is it the flesh or is it the spirit? If you're with Paul, then your answer is this. I don't owe the flesh anything. I owe the flesh nothing. All the flesh has done is abused me. It's used me. The flesh has hurt me and I have served it too long. I owe the flesh nothing. If you have the Spirit of God inside of you, if you call Him Father, then you owe Him everything because He has given you the Spirit. You owe Him everything. He's the one you're indebted to, not the flesh. See, the flesh turns your eyes onto yourself. The flesh will whisper to you and give you lies saying you need to believe this. The flesh will tell you to forget about God. Don't look at Him. Forget about God. But it brings bondage into your life. See, the flesh, it truly gives standards that you can't meet. The flesh says, you do this or I'm walking away. If you want me to love you, then you need to earn it. The flesh, it pleads with you to give in to your vulgar impulses. And it's like you're digging a dry well. You'll never get water. And you end up beaten and bruised and battered and hurt. The flesh wants to ruin your marriage. The flesh will tell you, you have worked so hard for so long to make others happy. Now it's your time. The flesh has standards that you can't meet. And it'll hurt you and it will leave you. But hear me, we all struggle with sin. Remember Romans 7? We all struggle with sin. But are you learning new ways? Are you learning what it is to be a child of God? Or do you find yourself asking questions, how far can I go and still be considered a part of that family? Do you find yourself asking, how much do I really have to give him? 
Do you find yourself justifying the decisions that you have made? We all struggle with this. But these questions reveal to us the hostility that we still have toward God. They're fleshly questions, and it's the struggle of sin in us between flesh and spirit. If you're a child of God, I want you to hear this before we go any further. I want you to know that God has given you everything that he requires. You will never be able to give the flesh all that it wants because you can't be satisfied. But God has given you everything that he asks of you. He has given you everything that he requires. The price is great for those who follow Christ. He does ask of you. He does require things of you, but he has given to you what he asks and what he requires. In verse 13 makes this clear. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So are you an adopted son of God? How do you know? How can you be sure? Well, we read that adopted children of God cut off their sins and they let them die. Adopted children of God do battle. Adopted children of God want to please the Lord. And Paul gives two categories here. He says either you are of the flesh, you are not a son and daughter of God, and you are weighed down by your sin and you're dying. Or you are of the spirit of God, you are a Christian, you are an adopted son and daughter of God, and you're doing battle, you're cutting away your sin, and you're letting it die. He has two categories here. There's not a, hey, I'm trying. I'm giving it all I can. I mean, I'm a lot better than other people. There's none of that. Either you are or you aren't. There's only two categories. And we know if you call God Father, if you're an adopted son or daughter of God, then you're cutting off your sin and you're letting it die. It's part of living. I read of a man named, named um, Donald Wyman, and it was 1993, and he was in this forest, and he was, he was clear-cutting, getting timber, and a tree fell, and it pinned his leg. And he laid there for an hour, and he screamed for help, and he realized no one's coming. And he had a decision to make. Either I can lay here, and I can keep my leg and die, or I can do something about it. And he took his, his leather boot lace from his boots and he, he tied a tourniquet on his leg and he took out his pocket knife and six inches below, he cut his leg off. And he crawled, to sit, he crawled to his truck and he drove to get help and he lived to tell the tale. How about you? If you had a decision to make between two legs and dying or one leg and living, which would you make? It's not even a choice. Like, of course, I hope I don't have to make that decision, like physically in my leg, but of course you're going to live. You want to live. But yet whenever it comes to us and our sin, for some reason we think we can keep our sin around and still live. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says it's better for you to enter heaven, to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. God's children cut off their sin, they let it die, and they go to a new life. They throw themselves into developing a new life in the Spirit. What would happen if our churches took their sin seriously? And we were willing to cut it off and let it die. 
What would happen if our churches took their sins seriously? Because God takes our sin seriously. He doesn't want you to die. He doesn't want you to experience the pain that it brings on those he loves. God takes sin seriously, and his children take it seriously too. So what is it in your life that needs to die? What sin is it that you have that you need to cut off and you need to let it die? Some of you are trying to hide your sin and you've been covering it up for so long and it brings you down and you're weary and you're tired of trying to suppress it. But let me tell you, if you cut off your sin and you let it die, you don't have to hide it anymore. You can move on, you can go on and you can live. By the miracle of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. So I want you to hear me that Christians do have initiative, all right? But they're not left to their own. The way of putting to death the deeds of the body, the way to cutting off our sin, is through the helper, the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand that killing sin is done by the Spirit, it's not done by legalism, okay? Because that's our tendency to go into legalism. Yes, the Bible does say if, then. But the Bible says if, by the Spirit, then you will live. Adopted children of God, they grow to hate their sin because it grieves their father. And they cut it off and they let it die. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Adopted children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Think for a moment, how would you answer the question, how do you know you are a son or daughter of God? How do you know you're saved? And you would probably answer how I would would answer is, well, I have faith in Jesus. But I want us to think here, and I want us to go a little deeper. Okay, we need to be able to go deeper and we, we shouldn't put our faith in our faith. Does that make sense? Verse 14 tells us you know you're an adopted son and daughter of God if you are led by the Spirit. Adopted children have assurance because they are led by the Spirit of God. And Paul begins verse 14 with the word for because he's continuing from verse 13. Remember, cutting off your sin and letting it die. That's what people who are led by the Spirit do. You're a child of God if you're led by the Spirit. And if you're led by the Spirit, you cut off your sin and you let it die. Mortifying the sins in your life is a work that's done by the Holy Spirit. It's a sign that you're a child of God and it causes you to grow. It gives you forward momentum toward God. You're not going to be who you once were. And you're not yet who you're going to be. But the Lord takes his children, and he takes them deeper. He grows them. He changes them. Children of God are sanctified. They have momentum moving forward toward God. And some of you here today, maybe you're a child of God, but you feel like your momentum toward him has broken down. And you're scared, and you're afraid, and you just don't know what to do. Maybe this is because there's a sin in your life that you feel like you can't live without. Frankly, it may be a sin that's been in your life longer than anyone else. 
You may have had this sin since before you were even married. You may have had this sin in your life for so long, you can't even remember. But you feel like you need it. You don't want to let it go. But you want to let it go. And Ray Ortland, he says in this book, your sin is a devil-shaped remedy that you are trying to force onto a God-shaped need. Only God can satisfy you. So trust in him. So you may be wondering, how can I desire more? I want, I want to go to the Lord, but I have this sin and I want, to let it, I want to want to let it go, but it's just such a part of me. What do I do? I'm scared. Cry out to Jesus. He comes when you call. He hears the cries of his people. Cry out to Jesus and tell him, I want to want to help me. We have hope for this. From Mark chapter 9, the demon-possessed boy's father tells Jesus, I believe you can heal my son. And then he says, help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus heals the man's son. He hears the cry of his people and he wants to help you because you're his. Cry out to Jesus. He'll meet you where you are and he'll give you his spirit. And you can call him father. So we have assurance that we are adopted sons and daughters of God because we put to death the deeds of our body. We are led by the Spirit. In verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We can have assurance that we are children of God because we delight, not dread, when it comes to the Father. There was a Christian school that came to camp whenever um, I was there years ago. They started coming the last few years I was there. And they were out of Charlotte. And they called this man the head of school. And his name was Mr. Horton. And I had heard about Mr. Horton before I ever even met him. Our registrar at the time, Bonnie, she was like, this man has quite a presence. And he, he did. <laughs> whenever he came in, he had quite a presence. And let me tell you, he meant business. And he ran a tight ship at that place. It was felt in his presence. And then one day, I had the privilege of Mr. Horton coming up to camp, and I got to spend some time with him. And April and I sat down, and we, we ate at the, at the lunch table with Mr. Horton. But this time, I called him Phil. He had come to camp. There were no kids, and he had his wife, and he had his daughters. And I got to see a side of him that other people didn't get to see. I got to meet his, I think he had like three biological daughters, and he had, he had other girls he and his wife had been led to adopt these girls internationally who needed hearts. There were these girls who were dying. They needed heart transplants, and no one wanted them because they, well, they wouldn't live long. And Mr. Horton and his wife, they raised money. They went, they got these girls, they brought them home, and they paid for them to get new hearts. And when they did, they went and they got another one. And then they went and got another one. The Lord had led them to do this. And when I sat at that table with that man, I got to see his girls look at him, and they called him daddy. And whenever those boys and girls of the school were there, and they looked at him, they had fear, <laughs> especially if they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing, and they should have had fear. But when his girls looked at him, I saw nothing but love, and I saw nothing in his eyes but love in return. They were his girls, and they got to call him daddy. And the same goes for us. 
As Mr. Horton's presence brought dread for many in that school, especially if they were guilty, his presence brought delight to those who called him daddy. The same is for you. Through Christ, we enter a new relationship with God. You don't have to fear. You don't have to be scared anymore. You don't have to run and hide from God. You don't have to. Not if you call him father. If you run and you hide from God, well, that's the spirit of slavery. Obeying out of fear. And that is bondage. Children of God don't hide from God. Children of God don't run from him because they're afraid he's going to get them. They're not afraid that they won't measure up. They call him father because he has adopted them. The word Abba in the Aramaic it is the word that children used in Paul's day to refer to their fathers. In Jesus, he prayed this way. He even taught us to pray this way. Hudson, my son, if he came up to me and he called me Mr. Lee, I wouldn't have it. I was like, what are you doing? He calls me Ricky sometimes to joke around. And I went, boy, you call me daddy. You call me daddy. You and these three other little minions are the only ones that can call me daddy. I'm yours, you are mine, and there's nothing that brings more joy to my heart than to hear their little voices say daddy. And I don't care what they've done, I answer. It may be, hang on, but I answer. Because <laughs> they say daddy a lot. But I love it. It brings joy. Whatever they need, I'm going to give it to them. Whatever they've done, I'm still going to love them. They call me father. They are mine. Some of you have never felt the loving embrace of a father. And really, a lot of you dread the presence of your father. And some of you dread the presence of God. But if you are his son and daughter, then you delight. You don't dread his presence. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So verse 14, we read about, we know that we are sons and daughters of God because we are led by the Spirit. Verse 15 tells us we have assurance because we delight in the Lord. In verse 16, it's a little bit of a mystery. It's deep and it's true and it's for you if you call him Father. God touches his children and they are comforted deep in their souls. Tim Keller, he speaks of this. A lot of your translations say bear witness. Some may say testifying. And Tim Tim Keller, he he asks you to to picture a courtroom where you're the defendant. And you know you weren't at the scene of the the crime. You, You even have some evidence, but no one believes you. And it's about to be over. And then the doors swing open. A new witness comes in. They take the stand and they say, it's true. They weren't at the scene of the crime. They're innocent. And they validate your evidence. God's children know they are adopted because they have the evidence of cutting off their sin and letting it die, being led by the Spirit, delighting in the Lord. But they also have the Spirit that reaches deep down into their soul when they are alone and they are afraid. And He reminds them, You're mine. You're mine. He comforts them deep in their soul, He knows our depths, and He's there. Verse 17, and of children, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. So I I hope that I have made it clear for all of you 
That children of God are to be moving toward God, killing their sin, being led by the Holy Spirit. But I hope that you have heard the gospel, the good news, that is the Spirit that gives you the power to do so. It's him inside of you. I don't want you to leave here this morning saying, well, Ricky says we need to be better Christians. I mean, do I need to tell you that? I know I need to be a better Christian. We all know that we need to be better Christians. I want you to leave here knowing the love of the Father, knowing that as his son and daughter, you have an inheritance that's to come, and it's worth waiting for, and that he loves you, and he hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. So don't despair whenever you tend to turn your mind toward things of the flesh and you're reminded that we age and we, our bodies break down and we die and you think my kids are going to grow up and I'm not going to have my babies anymore. My parents are going to pass away. I'm not going to have the home I always wanted. The economy is going to crash. Just, ah! And you despair <laughs> because you're, this battle's happening inside of you and your flesh turns to the things That's not going to satisfy you. It's because we're living like we're indebted to these things. These are the things that make us happy, and these are the things we owe our happiness to. Nothing will satisfy you except for the Spirit of God. C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity, If I find in myself a desire which no experience of this world could satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. This life is not to satisfy us, but it's to arouse in the children of God a longing for the lasting joy that's to come when we're in God's presence. And we get to see him face to face and call him Father. According to verse 16, we're children of God. And if we're children of God, then we are heirs of God with Christ, our elder brother. So this means that we get to share in the inheritance. As an heir of God, we get to have God. That's our inheritance. We will be with him. There's going to be no more wondering, no more tears. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more loneliness. You will get to be with God. In this war inside of you of knowing I should desire more of God, but I don't always want to. I should. I don't always. In this battle inside of you, one day you won't have to fight it anymore. The war will be over. Because you will be with your heart's desire and it will be God and you will no longer have to seek because you will have your portion, God, and he's yours forever. We will be with God and he will not disappoint you. God's children have the promise of inheritance in their suffering. Not yet, though. Not all of it, at least. This is part of the already, but the not yet. The being delivered from our sin, but still warring at it inside of us. You see, we do get to share in the inheritance of God right now in his suffering, the sufferings of Jesus. We get to share in that, but we don't get our full inheritance yet. But the not yet part, it's worth waiting for. We went through the book of Job last year, and if you guys missed that, you can go on our online and you can download the podcast, and we walk through the book of Job. But verse 21 of chapter 1 says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. Before we receive our full inheritance of God, before it's to come, well, we must die. And I want you to know that one out of one will die. All of you are going to die. I don't care how much you've been able to escape in your life. 
I don't care how resourceful you are, how much money you have, how smart you are. You're going to die. You came from dust, and to dust you will return, all of you. Me. So what does that leave us with? We're returning to dust. What does that leave us with? We're going to be stripped of everything we have. Everything you're going home to, everything you've saved for, everything you've worked for, it's all going away. So what does that leave you with? Well, if you're a child of God, then it, well, it just leaves you with God himself. Is that enough? I mean, does that mean that you're rich or poor? Well, if God possesses all things and we inherit God, then that means we inherit all things. Isn't that worth suffering for? Isn't that worth battling for? Isn't that worth waiting for? Our suffering, it doesn't bring us glory. It's, it, it, instead, it prepares us for the glory that's going to be revealed to us. We don't suffer so that we can be with God. No, it's not even an exchange. You can't have enough suffering in your life to even sniff the floodgates of blessing that God is going to open up on his children. God's plan is so much more than to just keep you out of hell. If you say you're a child of God or you want to be so that you don't have to go to hell, then you're missing it because there's so much more than just not going to hell. God has so much more for you. He wants to glorify you. He's going to treat you as you are his child. Paul doesn't want us to just accept the suffering and say, okay, we must suffer because we're children of God. He wants you to say, yes, of course, anything. I I get God, like anything. I get God, whatever. Yes, it's worth it. We have much to live for. And if you're a child of God, when you're drawing your last breaths, which some of you may be doing now, who knows? The child of God's life isn't ending. It's just beginning. We have much to live for. When the sun burns out, we will be just beginning. But until we're with the Lord, the cross comes before the crown for those who call him Father. We're going to close. We're going to take a benevolence offering. But I want you to know, I want you to leave knowing today what it means to be an adopted child of God. (laughs) That you cut off your sin and you let it die. You are led by the Spirit of God. Do not dread, but you delight in the presence of the Father, and you're comforted deep in your soul. And you have the promise of the inheritance that's to come. It's worth suffering for. We have um, a welcome room for any of you here that are wondering, or you know, I'm not a child of God. And you want to call him Father. He wants you to call him Father. He's calling to you. And if you go out, you turn left, there's going to be a couple of church leaders that are scheduled that will be in that welcome room. I would love to talk to you. They would love to talk to you to tell you how you can become a child of God. We do value adoption here at church. We, we have money in the budget to help you if you're being led to adopt kids. But we are concerned with spiritual adoption as well.
And you know what? We don't have to have any money in the budget to pay for that because it's already been paid for. You can call God Father because you can now be with God because Jesus lived the perfect life we don't have a chance at. And he died the death that we all deserve and he rose from the grave. So now you too get to share in his inheritance and be with God if you call him Father. Will you call him Father today if you haven't? And if you do, it's worth it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for loving us first. We thank you for caring so much for us that you pursued us through Jesus who came to meet us where we are. And that you don't leave us where we are found, but Lord, you give us the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live holy lives, pleasing to you. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that does not call you Father, that they will respond to your loving call knowing that their closet is stocked with all they will need if they will say yes. You want to make their hearts new. And Lord, I thank you for not leaving us alone. For those of us who do call you Father, we willingly go through whatever it is that comes our way because we know we have such blessing to come. We get to see you face to face and enjoy you forever. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord that in this already, but not yet, He has given us truly, as Ricky points out, everything that we need to persevere. We are not without initiative, though, as he also pointed out. Paul recognized this. And he gives us that call to persevere. Thank you, Lord, for the comforter, the one who strengthens us. Children here in this already, but not yet. Giving us what we need to persevere. Help us in our inability to do so. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen.